This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. I mean, stop singer. Toss on off the first in time to get seven. Needed him the most. Two hits over seven. Scored a inning. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right, welcome back, Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Thanks for being here. Another exciting day of baseball for the Mariners yesterday. Day baseball. Felix on the hill. Ichiro back. Mariners looking for a series win, and they got it. Beating the Marlins in game three of that series. And now it's on to Oakland for four games against the A's. So we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But we have a lot to get to on this podcast. A nice conversation with Aaron Goldsmith and Don Mattingly. Of course, this is the 40th anniversary celebration of the Mariners. And Don Mattingly will share some of his Mariner memories playing in the Kingdome. Ken Griffey Jr., Edgar Martinez. You don't want to miss that. Also, Shannon Dreyer. Very interesting conversation involving Ichiro. That comes up in a few minutes as well. Also, Rich Waltz joined us to talk some Ichiro on what was a very special day at the ballpark as it was capped off by Ichiro going yard and possibly his final at-bat at Safeco Field. Here's the pitch. Swing, and it's socked into right field. This sends Hanniger back. He's twisting. He's turning. He's looking up, and Ichiro has gone deep for a home run. There it was. Ichiro going yard in what may be his final at-bat at Safeco Field, and a very cool moment, a standing ovation from the fans on hand in a game that at that point the Mariners had in control, and Ichiro in the ninth inning going yard. So we're going to talk a lot about Ichiro on this podcast and what was a very special return to Seattle. He says he wants to play until he's 50. We'll see. That may be his last at-bat ever at Safeco Field in what is surely a Hall of Fame career. So just a very cool moment, especially for those on hand at Safeco Field as they got to soak that one in as Ichiro rounding the bases, hitting a solo home run. It was a very strange game in a lot of ways yesterday. Felix was on the mound for the M's, and the Marlins, four straight hits to start the ball game, mostly ground balls, but Felix gives up two in the first inning. Mariners would bounce back, though, one in the first, two in the second, one in the third, and the fourth inning, they would break the game open. The right-handers pitch, swing and a high fly ball, center field. Yelich, seeing if he can handle this one. He's looking up, and this bounces off the lower half of the wall. Zanino to third, he rounds and scores. Dyson is just feet behind him. Dyson burns home. He scores standing. 
And how about this kid, Mitch Haniger? He drives in another two runs. He reaches base for the third time. It's a two-run double for Mitch Haniger. It's now six to three Mariners. He's just ridiculous. Three for four of the game, four ribbies, three runs scored, a walk. I mean, man, batting 323 on the season, a 432 on base percentage. He's driven in 15 runs in this month, in the month of April. The only rookie, the most runs a rookie has driven in for the Mariners in the month of April was Alvin Davis. When he burst onto the scene and had 17 RBIs in his first month in April. And Hanniger, he's just two away from matching that mark of 17 from AD. 15 ribbies for Hanniger. He was outstanding in the ballgame. Kyle Seeger really busted out as well. The 1-1 to Seeger. Swing, line drive, laced up the middle, base hit. Hanniger scores. Cano on his heels coming home. He's waved in by Maniacta. Another two runs come home to score. Kyle Seeger has driven in three. This time it's a two-run single into center field. The Mariners are playing some pretty serious add-on here in the bottom of the fourth inning. It's now 8-3. to three. Seeger went two for three, four ribbies, a couple of walks. Seeger, Cano, and Hanniger all reached base four times in the game. Top of the order did a ton of damage in this one. Really unstoppable as they just rolled right on through the Marlins. They just kept on adding on. Mariners 11 hits and 10 walks in the ball game. They win 10 to 5 over Miami. Felix rocky start to the ball game but settled in, gave us some hits along the way, but when it was all said and done, 6 and a third, 12 hits, 4 runs, 1 walk and 5 strikeouts. That's the first walk he has given up this year. He did it all on 99 pitches, gave up a couple of home runs, one to Stanton that was nearly hit to the moon. I mean, just belted. But the Mariners able to get it done. So they went 10-5 to yesterday. They take the series, 6-3 and homestand. They've won two series in a row. And here's the skipper, Scott Service, had to say after the ball game. Hey, overall, 6-3 homestand. That was sort of what you needed to get to reset. Yeah, outstanding job. Our guys really bounced back after a tough uh, first week. Um, you know, we knew it wasn't going to be easy. Uh, we dug ourselves a little bit of a hole, more than a little bit. But, uh, you know, scratch and claw and climb out of it. Uh, you never know what can happen. But really good at bats today. Uh, to my cap, our offense uh, really stepped up, grinded through at bats. I think we walked 10 times today, which is says a lot about where we got to get back to and done a really good job at this homestand. Felix kind of grinded. It was a grind. Yeah. The entire game was a grind. Uh, from the first inning, you look up, and Felix giving up four or five hits and a hit batter in the first inning, and you're like, wow, how are we going to get through this? But, you know, he's been through it. He's a veteran. You know, we certainly yeah, I trust him. He's got a very long leash with Felix. He usually finds a way, and he hung in there. You know, that, that's what it was, and then our offense kind of got it going from there. Yeah, that offense seems to revolve around Hanniger right now. And Mitch has really played outstanding. Can't say enough about him. The, the quality of bats, uh, the walks, the big hits, working into his count, uh, understanding situations. Uh, it's been huge for us and really a boost. And then obviously when the guys behind him get rolling, we, we play really well. So that's a really good ball club. Uh, Miami is a very talented team. Uh, the middle of their lineup is as scary as anybody, any lineup we're going to see all year. And they can do damage. Um, yeah, it's a good squad. It's nice to get two out of three. Scott, you just like 
45 games of big league experience, have you seen a young kid not give away at bats like that? He just seems to refuse to give one away. He, he does. He's really grinding through them. Uh, yeah, there's a guy in, in Anaheim that's pretty good too. When he first came up, Mike Trout was. I'm not comparing him, but you know, just as far as a grind, you know, and going through and. I think the nice thing, you know, Mitch understands his swing. He understands who he is. He understands where he's at on our team. And, uh, you know, he's just going out and having fun. Uh, that's the big thing is, is our, all our guys are starting to relax a little bit, and then the talent starts to come out. How, how much of that did you know before the trade? How much did you learn spring training? And how much has been kind of the last, you know, these first 15 years? Uh, you, you know, you, you trust the people that, that put the trades together and stuff like that. But nobody really knows until you get around the players and can really touch them and, and uh, you know, get to know them and, and see you. You know how they react to different situations, and, and especially when they're going bad. You know if they struggle here or there. And you know Mitch started out a little rough. You know the first couple of games when we got the season going was a little rough, but over time as the bats started to get better, and then the results come. It's kind of looking back the two plays, the play, the Dyson throw, and then you had three on, uh, pretty big. Yeah, really big. The Dyson double play in the first inning was huge. You know, uh, get the short fly ball, throw them out. Uh, you know, Freeman on the bang-bang play, turn and fire a strike. That's where the ball had to be to get that guy at the plate. Nice tag by Zanino. So big defensive plays. You know, outs were hard to get today. Um, you know, and you know, we ran into a couple uh, ourselves. But, uh, you know, nice nice job by the guys. Scott, at 2-8, and eight, did you remind the guys that they're still a long way to go and all that? Or just being veterans, they, they kind of knew that instinctively? Uh, no, we had, we had some reminders. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, one of the things that I did – Friday leading up to the Texas series is, you know, we, we printed out uh, all the playoff teams from last year and the five, last five teams to go to the Wild World Series. They all had stretches throughout the course of the season, one and nine, two and eight, or three and seven. It happens. We were the only team to kind of do it right out of the chute. Um, but understanding that, you know, we have talent, and if you continue to stick together and believe in each other, things will work out and they'll turn. That's what baseball does. It, it, it'll turn around. And, but you got to keep grinding because people don't feel sorry for you. And, you know, we talked about that, and our guys certainly responded. There it is. That was the skipper after the ball game and what was a very impressive win for the Mariners. The game was so thick. Uh, a couple of great defensive plays that were referenced there. Dyson with a strike, just a laser home to throw out Prado at home plate early in the ball game. Freeman, who was playing first base, made a r- couple of really nice plays, a throw home to cut down a runner, also started a double play that was really nice as well. A guy that hasn't played a lot of first base in his career, but Made a couple of really nice plays. The defense showed up in a big way. Dyson was a big part of that. He also scored a run at the top of the order. Drew Walk had a hit, was robbed in what was one of the best catches we're going to see. Yelich in center field, who is really good. And this is why I think interleague play is so much fun because you know, you know how good Yelich is. You watch him on TV. You watch him on the MLB app, bad app, but to see him in person – for a few games was certainly a lot of fun and he showed off everything he could do he had a nice day yesterday certainly hitting a home run the opposite way and making what was just a ridiculous catch pitched swinging this is lifted out to center field yelich showing his numbers racing quickly back to the warning track he's near the wall yelich makes a catch and he goes pinballing right into the fence and he holds on to it crash test dummy christian yelich Smacked head first into the wall in center field. He's helped up by Ichiro and Ozuna. An incredible catch for out number one. Yeah, face first, flat into the wall. There's some really funny pictures that got got him with his face just smashed right into the wall. 
He left an imprint. His body left an imprint. It was just a great catch, and I guess turnabout is fair play because Dyson had robbed Yelich of a home run with Volquez pitching, who was pitching there again, which is so odd, but that's how it happened. Here's what Dyson said after the ball game. Every day, have you seen a young kid do this like this? I mean, he just don't give bats away. Not really, man. A guy, hey, he's taking advantage of his opportunity, man. Uh, he's making a name for himself. He's doing a great job. I mean, he on base every game. He's getting his doubles. He's getting his homers. I mean, he's doing a little bit of everything. Did you know you had him when you, when you threw that ball? Well, I was just hoping it just stay online. So uh, when I saw it stay online, and I was like, thank God. You know, because my ball can kind of tail at times. But uh, it was a great throw. It was good to see that. They were putting a lot of hits together there. How important it was to kind of shut that inning down? Yeah, yeah, it was really important, man. Uh, they got off, base hit out the base hit, you know, early first inning. But uh, Phoenix settled down, and we got out and made plays behind him. And uh, he dialed in right after that, you know. Uh, he kept us in the ball game, and uh, we got him some runs. And, and he just doing what Phoenix do best, man. You got Yelich last year, so does this, it was a fair trade off then. Yeah, but I don't like his getting taken from me. Though. You know, uh, thought I was gonna get a hit, but it come with the game, man. Uh, I robbed him for a homer last year. He got me for extra bases today, so I can't say much to him. But great job, you know. He's gonna feel that one, I think, a little bit. Oh <laughs> yeah, he, it was a face plant, but uh, <laughs> you know, at, at the end of the day, it's all about making the play. How big was this home stand? It was huge for us, man. Uh, we had a rough ten games, but uh, it's good to see us get back on track. You know. Uh, Houston came in, kind of beat us up a little bit, but uh, we took care of business against Texas and the guys. Uh, at the end of the day, it's all about winning series. You know, you're not going to win every game, but you try to look forward to winning every series. And uh, we focus on every team, you know, whoever in front of us, taking it one game at a time, one at bat at a time, one pitch at a time, and just try to dial in and get back to playing Mariners baseball. And then Felix, of course, Kept the Mariners in the ball game despite that rocky start. Four first hits, or first four batters with hits in the game, but he ends up pitching into the seventh, allowing four runs on 12 hits. His first walk of the season, he'd gone his first three starts without walking anybody, and he did it on 99 pitches. Weird game for him, too, because he, I mean, some of those innings for the Mariners were long. I mean, with 10 walks in the ball game for the M's, he was down a few times for a long time. It was a weird rhythm game, but they certainly kept the Mariners in the game, and Mariners ended up winning the game. So Mariners win the series. They won two series in a row. Now on for a long road trip. Four in Oakland, three in Detroit, three in Cleveland. And it's going to start tonight. James Paxton on the hill and his sparkling 0.00. Cesar Valdez will make his... 17 debut for the A's. Graveman went on the disabled list. That's a big loss for the A's. Graveman has really pitched well this year, so he goes to the DL. And then Friday, uh, first pitch tonight, by the way, 7.07. Friday, 7.07, first pitch, Iwakuma against Manaya. Manaya, uh, we talked about Chen, seven innings of no-hit ball. Manaya had a weird outing his last time. He went five innings of no-hit ball, but in the sixth, walked the bases loaded and was pulled. He gave up a couple of runs without giving up a hit. Very unusual start. Then Miranda against Cotton on Saturday. Cotton 
It's been up and down so far this season, but really good stuff. And he he can be really tough. So Mariners will have their hands full there. And then Gallardo against Triggs. And in Seattle, this on Sunday, Gallardo against Triggs. That's a 107 first pitch. Saturday and Sunday, both day baseball from Oakland, 107s. So Gallardo against Triggs, and we've obviously been paying close attention to James Paxton and his start to the season. Well, Andrew Triggs, he's 3-0 and with a 0.00 ERA as well. So that's what the Mariners will be staring at on Sunday. So very interesting four-game series and an important four-game series as the Mariners try and continue their role after winning two series in a row. They've won five of their past six ball games. All right, so you're ready for tonight. We'll be back with the podcast tomorrow as well. Oh, Jesse Smith is going to be with us on the podcast tomorrow. It's always a fun conversation with Jesse Smith from the Mariners front office as we're going to talk some numbers coming up tomorrow. It's a conversation I think you'll really enjoy. So that will come up on the podcast tomorrow. Right now, let's start our Ichiro conversation as we were joined by Rich Waltz. Ichiro to right and deep. Back goes Para to the wall, and it's off the wall. 3,000 is in right field, and Ichiro is racing for third. And he's done it. He's climbed the mountain. A triple. And he has arrived. Three thousand. Shannon Dreyer now joined by Aaron Goldsmith, Gary Hill, and the man you just heard on the call there, Rich Waltz. We, of course, are talking each row. I'm going to go ahead and say I, I had goosebumps there. What was it like to call that? Well, it was interesting because, uh, and it, thanks for inviting me to the show. It's great to be back in Seattle. It was really fascinating because you knew he was close, and there were three or four games where he didn't get hits. In that game in particular, uh, there were a couple of balls that he hit that were bang-bang plays at first. And all of a sudden I realized that Ichiro could pick up his 3,000th hit and the enduring shot would be Joe West taking off his headset, (laughs) signaling from a review, (laughs) safe. And how do you call that and and, and include (laughs) Joe West in the call? That that was – and I think – that happened a couple times before 3,000, and, and in the booth we looked at each other, and everybody around the ball club just said, hey, look, if it's bang, bang, just call him out. Get, yeah. a, get, a, get a clean hit and then, yeah. and then get out of there. So, But it was, it was a great moment. It, you, you know, the fun thing about that, and, and Aaron, you probably get this a lot. People always ask you, hey, what, how are you going to call that? What, what's I the, wanted to ask you that question. What, what's, your, what's your call going to be? Well, you know, uh, and I always said, I don't know. I mean, show me the hit because right. you don't, you can't, you can't rehearse that stuff. And I don't have a good short-term memory, so um, that ball was hit as a course field, and it went left the bat. You always add fifteen to twenty feet to a ball at course field. And uh, Gerardo Parra was in right. He he went back to the wall, and you, if you listen to that call, you can actually hear the ball bang against the wall. There's a clank in the middle of that call, and. Um, as soon as I heard the clank, I knew it was a hit. And, but you have to keep calling the hit because he's racing for third. It's a triple. I thought it was appropriate for each row that was a triple. It was great because in Colorado, the visiting dugout is on the third base side, so the team naturally streamed out. So it was a, a, a great moment. He's, he is on a team of, with a, a very young core when he arrived in 2015. 
the guys love him in, in that clubhouse. He's um, he's universally loved by everybody. So it was a, a great moment to share with his teammates. I think that was a great call, too. I love the 3,000 in right field. And it was fitting that you were on the call. I mean, you saw him in Seattle. Obviously, you've seen him in Miami. What has it been like tracking his career? Well, I, you know, I remember when he showed up, and I remember the stories of Lou Pinella calling him and his um, interpreter into his office, like, a week and a half, two weeks into spring training because Ichiro was spraying balls over the third base dugout and couldn't pull the ball. And I remember Lou um, Lou trying to tell his interpreter along the lines of, look, son, if you, <laughs> you're going to play in the break legs, you got to pull the ball. <laughs> and and he went through it, and, and the interpreter looked at Ichiro, and, and as the story goes, told Ichiro, and Ichiro looked at Lou and looked at the interpreter, and they both walked out, and Lou thought, I don't think he understood a word I said. <laughs> and, so, and so that game, as legend goes, Ichiro's, you know, hits a homer to right, hits two balls in the gap, and then as he's walking off uh, the field by the dugout, he looks at Lou and he said, like that? <laughs> and Lou goes, ah, he knows English. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to, to go from there, when I was the, the like the utility guy, I was the, who was the utility guy back then? The Stan Javier of uh, Javier of uh, of the broadcast when I was here, to see that and then and get to interview him when he broke the all time season hits record and do all that cool stuff. It, it's really fun. It, it was um, it was fun to be there at the beginning, and you don't know when it's going to be the end, but it, it could be soon. You know, this might be his last year. Says he wants to go to fifty, but you never know. Rich Waltz is our guest here on the pregame roundtable, TV voice of the Marlins. And as you just know, as if you, if you didn't know already, former uh, Mariners broadcaster. And, Rich, do you get a sense as to what um, this series means to Ichiro, what it means to, to be back in right field today? Uh, it means a lot. He's, um, he holds high respect to uh, Seattle. He still has a home here. Uh, he has great memories here. Um, this is for him. You know, the, the other thing, in asking him about pressure, the, I, I think in, in talking about what he accomplished last year, the pressure of 3,000 hits, um, when he came over here, he had the weight of all of Japanese baseball on his shoulders because there were so many doubters, and there really had not been a position player to come over here and make that type of impact. So not only for him to come over here and, and have this long of a career, but to come over here and win the MVP, win the Rookie of the Year, 10 straight gold gloves, 10 straight all-star, you know, it, it was all here in Seattle. So I think, it, obviously, at heart, he's still a Mariner, and, and he enjoys the notoriety. He, um, you know, he's a very private guy, but this, this place is very special to him. Behind the scenes, he seems to me, and has ever since he was with the Yankees, seems a little looser, a little bit. He, yeah, and that's great. That's a great observation because I noticed a big difference when he arrived in Miami in, in 2015 as opposed to when he got here and I was here. He was, uh, the, the young players just loved him and he loved them and it really kind of reinvigorated him. I think being a Yankee is different than, and, and Mike knows this, uh, being a Yankee is different than being anybody else in, in the big leagues. There's so much expected in, in New York and it's just a different feel. When he got to Miami, it was all of a sudden, hey, this is fun again. And he just enjoyed it. He would teach everybody, all the young outfielders, Ozuna, Stanton, and Yelich, every day in spring training, he would teach them a different word in Japanese. So, and that, that was kind of like a running joke. Then he, you know, those crazy 
exercise machines that he has. They're in like a boxcar down in spring training in, in Jupiter, Florida. He invited everybody in to try them. Because they were like this, they look like 1970 Universal machines, <laughs> right. but, they're, but they're not. If you've, I even jumped on a few of them, and they absolutely kick your butt. And and the the guys lasted like a day in there, and they said, I'm even not. Stanton, uh, he's not snapping these things in half. No, <laughs> I think Stanton is more into the barbells and stuff, other stuff. Ozuna was the guy that tried it, I think, the most. And after a couple days, he said, no mas. <laughs> no mas. He is still the most flexible uh, athlete I've ever seen, really. It, the stuff he does is just still incredible at 43. Well, Rich, it's been great to have you here getting the latest observations on Ichiro. They just showed him down the line, signing autographs right now, and good to hear that this is a place that he still considers home and spends time. He does, and I, I consider this a, a home for me, too. So you going to go sign down the line, too? <laughs> no, <laughs> not the same demand. <laughs> oh, come on. You're better than not that, Rich. Come on. If I go down the line, they'll ask me, can, can you give me a, a, an Ichiro bobblehead? <laughs> I know. It's not safe to leave today. Rich, it's always good having you. Hey, yeah. Thank you for Thanks, the invitation. Rich. Now the windup and the 3-2 on the way. Swing and a ground ball. Base it up the middle. There it is. Number 258, a major league record for Ichiro. The fans are on their feet, and Ichiro has just established a new single-season hit record. There is number 258, and he moves on by George Sisler. Now we hand things over to Shannon Dreher. For more on Ichiro, I went to the expert, freelance journalist Brad Lepton, who's covered Ichiro extensively since day one and continues to do so in Miami. You may have read some of his Ichiro pieces in the Seattle Times. A question I was asked earlier this week was, when did I know that in Ichiro the Mariners had something special? For me, there was no mistaking the exact moment, and Lepton's memories a little more precise. Terrence Long is lead over at first. Here comes a 3-2 pitch on the way. Swung on and a ground ball punched into right field for a base hit. So heading to third base is Long. The throw to third base. And they've got him nailed at third base on a tremendous throw by Ichiro. I'm here to tell you that Ichiro threw something out of Star Wars down there at third base. He fired a shot about three feet off the ground all the way on the fly to David Bell, and Terrence Long was D-O-A. I was there for the throw, and the throw was probably eight or nine games into his uh, major league career, right? It was, uh, they opened the season here in 01 against Oakland with three games. They went on the road to Texas, and in the first game at Texas, he showed his power by uh, winning the game with a 10th inning home run, right, mm-hmm. on a Friday night. And then after that series, they went to Oakland, and it was either in game eight or nine that he made the throw. And so when you say that the throw uh, really showed you uh, what was about to come, I agree with that, but on a little, from a little bit different perspective. Because if you go back to the throw, and I don't know if a lot of people remember this, he didn't start that game came into that game as a pinch hitter in the bottom of the previous inning. It was so he'd come in in the bottom of the seventh, I believe, might be an inning off as a pinch hitter, stayed in to play defense in the uh, or in the in the, the top of the inning and stayed in, in the bottom of the inning to play defense in right field. And so when he made the throw, it was with an arm that had been on the bench 
for the whole game, and that was the first time he had touched the ball, and he was able to make that throw. So what it was really showing you was the preparation of Ichiro, and we're still seeing the unparalleled preparation uh, 17 years later uh, as he has a different role, but the preparation is still as important to his game. It's something that he talked passionately about, you know, the work that he puts in. It's, um, you know, we're talking about a guy right now who, how many days off is he taking in the off season nowadays? Might be up to three. <laughs> <laughs> and that's no joke. It really isn't. No. I mean, I, I've heard the story. He tried to take a vacation once and just that didn't feel right, he said. Yeah, he, it, it was, it was uh, during his Mariners years, they, uh, he and his wife, took a trip to Italy, and he said the one thing that he regretted uh, the most about the trip was that he was remiss in not bringing a bat with him to swing in the hotel room. <laughs> I'm sure his wife was happy about that. <laughs> Preparation is as big today as it ever was, as Ichiro, with the hit milestones behind him, has a new focus. He wants to play until he's 50. Lefton points out this isn't new. He actually talked about matching the number on his back when he was in Seattle. The reason for his quest? Uh, he still goes to Cooperstown regularly, and when he goes to Cooperstown and he interacts with the uh, equipment of George Sisler, and he picks up a pair of spikes from yesteryear and he's he can't believe what they wore back then or he picks up a glove and he can't believe he can't believe how the equipment has changed or he sees Babe Ruth's bat and it has like nails in it holding mm. shards of wood in place and that they would go up there and they would hit with that kind of broken bat uh, that was held together like that so when he sees what the equipment was and he knows what the equipment is available to him today and he thinks well what prevents a player from having greater longevity uh, if the equipment is so great today and if the, the equipment has made so many advances, uh, what about the athletes? And so it's, so he's kind of made that his personal challenge to figure out a way to train better to uh, have greater longevity. I think that's his, uh, that's his mission, to, sh to prove that it, it can be done. <laughs> and just how possible is it he'll make it? If it's up to him, very much so. There is the matter of reality, however. I can see it, yes. But in order to, the, the one thing that's different is that he no longer gets the multi-year contract. So he has to, in order to get to 50, which is eight more seasons, including this one, each of the seasons has to be good enough to be offered a contract to keep it going. Because now he's at the stage of his career where they're going to be one-year contracts. And as long as he continues to perform, I think teams will, some team will be interested in giving him a shot of doing it again the next year but what he doesn't have is the luxury of having an off year perhaps mm. you have an off year at this age and, and it's all over with it's all over with but you don't see him getting bored with the role or okay i just i don't want it it's a lot of work i put in for you know so few at bats and you don't see that no i don't i don't see that i don't i as long as he feels that he can play at a level that is satisfying to him i don't ever see him thinking that the preparation is a burden no the desire remains no matter the role perhaps there is a chance we see him again someday in uniform at safeco field the pitch to ichiro swung on line drive there it is number 200 a bullet 
to center field, and Ichiro has just set an all-time American League record, and he joins Pete Rose as the only man in baseball history to have 10 seasons with 200 or more hits. My, oh my, what a career for Ichiro, and it's not over yet, and he's getting a standing ovation here in Toronto. And now Aaron Goldsmith with Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly. Well, Don, welcome to Safeco Field. I was trying to think, when was the last time that you would have been at this ballpark? Um, not that long ago, probably seven. Okay. Uh, doing the when I was with the Yankees from 04 to 07, so we were out here, you know, obviously every year. So that'd been it. No, actually, other than that, I uh, came out with the Dodgers, sure. and uh, you guys threw the combined no-no against us uh, out here. So I'm bringing up good memories. Is that what you're saying? Wasn't that bad. We, I think we ended up winning the series. We won the next two, so I didn't think about it that much. Well, this is the 40th anniversary of Mariners baseball, and during your playing days with the Yankees, you saw a lot of the Kingdom, and I'm guessing you have fond memories of the Kingdom. You were a career 346 hitter at the Kingdom. Other than thinking of hits, what comes to mind when you think about the old ballpark? Um, the big wall. I always liked playing in stadiums that had the double wall, and that had the big wall across right field there. And... Um, I like playing. I love coming to Seattle, the city. Uh, I always thought it was a beautiful place. And the Kingdom was a good place to hit. And, you know, you had turf and turf in it. And, you know, if you, if you caught it, it would go. So I, I always like playing there. Now, why did you like the double wall? I don't know. The same way in the minor leagues. I didn't hit hardly any homers in the minors. And it seemed like all the ones I hit were places with, like, double walls. For some reason, I don't know if it was a visual or, or what it was. But for some reason, that always caught my of my attention. When thinking about you versus former Mariner greats, I, I don't know if there's another left-handed hitter with a sizable number of at-bats against Randy Johnson who fared as well against the big unit as you did. You were nearly a 350 hitter against Randy Johnson. How did you approach him? Well, early on when I caught him, um, he really didn't get his slider over at that point. So it was really, if I, I was a pretty good fastball hitter. I never really found anybody that just threw the ball by me. So I was a good fastball hitter. And, and Randy, you were going to get a fastball uh, early on. And it didn't fare near as well towards the end when he, he started getting that slider over. And that slider was really almost unhittable for a lefty. That thing just didn't leave you anywhere to hit it. So um, I think it was more than anything. You got you just had to hang in there with Randy because he was, he was a little wild early on. And um, you had to hang in there, and you had to be able to hit the steam, you know, and that's one thing I could do. You saw a lot of Edgar, including the double. You saw a lot of Junior. What are your memories of those two guys? No, well, Junior, obviously, I'd seen Junior in um, in Yankee camp. I played with his dad, and I remember Junior, him and his brother hanging around just playing and stuff. And I, I, one particular memory is going from one year to the next spring, and and all of a sudden he was a man. And he, he'd grown, like, looked like four or five inches, and he was chasing balls in the outfield, and you're going, holy, who is this kid? Now, how old would he have been then? Uh, I don't know. It was before he signed, okay. so he was still probably in high school. And his dad said, yeah, he can really hit. And so that's what I remember. And then, and then obviously coming to the big leagues and just tearing it up right away, and it was a great player right out of the gate. So remember that. And Edgar, to me, is one of the – I just thought Edgar is just a tremendous hitter. He was one of the – for me, he's one of the best right-handed hitters that I've seen. I put him in category with him and Manny. Um, you know, now Miggy is is one of those guys. Molitor, uh, just a great right-handed hitter. And 
just one of the best, you know, always stayed inside the ball, hit the ball over the field. It just seemed like he was just such a tough out all the time. The 2-0 on the way to Ichiro. And a ground ball, he's got the record. In the right field for a base hit. So now Ichiro has more hits than any man in Japanese history. And Mr. Hiramoto with a smile on his face. See you later!